solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this latest installment of Locked On Texans. As always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my co-host, my partner in crime, John Sun Sports Guy Hickman. And ladies and gentlemen, I also want to let you guys know, regardless how you feel about this team, I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Texans your first listen of the day. And I hate to say, I mean, at the end of the day, John, you was right. This team is exactly who we thought they were. Thank you. I mean, thank you. I mean, hey, welcome in, everybody. I mean, I told Cody before the season, five wins, six wins. I said five. I'm not going to lie. I said five. Jacksonville had me thinking about six or seven. That first half against the Browns had me thinking, okay, maybe, maybe they could make a run at the wild card. And here we are. One and five. Might as well say one and six because next week, Lord have mercy. That's going to be bad. But you know what? Sincerely, guys, before we dive into talking about the Texans, I want to say that we've done a disservice. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so I definitely want to say happy Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And any survivors out there that listen to the show or any friends of survivors, family of survivors, survivor yourself. Hey man, listen, sincerely from the bottom, the middle, the top, my entire heart, you know, keep the fight going. I respect and appreciate everything you guys do, man. This has nothing to do with sports. This is all humanity and continuously be the great people you are. Happy Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Now, if we started on a positive note, we had to get that out of the way, right? I'm just joking. But the Houston Texans got smacked on Sunday, 31-3 by the Indianapolis Colts. They both went into the game 1-4. So that game was kind of uh, some sort of positioning for the AFC South. Who's going to be number two? Who's going to be number one? I mean, number three. You know, Jacksonville's number four. They got a dub yesterday, their first win under Herbert Meyer and rookie quarterback uh, Trevor Lawrence. But Davis Mills, 243 yards. Zero interceptions, two interceptions. I'm sorry, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and two sacks, but a QBR of 22.2 and a quarterback rating of 62.5. That's not good. He was also sacked twice. The running game improved. Mark Ingram, 18 carries for 73 yards as a total for the team, 29 carries for 124 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. And as I mentioned, Davis Mills did throw for 243 yards, Nine catches, 89 yards for Brandon Cooks. And the rookie, Nico Collins, his first action since coming off of IR. We know he missed three games, four catches for 44 yards off six targets. Jordan Akins is another player that we have been wanting to see him utilize more. He also had four catches for 41 yards. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that backfield, a specific player that lines up at receiver at times or was supposed to be brought in to be dynamic in the passing game and run game as well. As we look at the defense, a very lackluster performance. But, Cody, we always try to look for bright spots. Ain't that right, listeners? And Jonathan Gennard with two sacks on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. He has back-to-back weeks for sacks. And as you guys know, no playing time for Charles Omenhu, who's deactivated. 
The Houston Texans did have 19 first downs. This is a weird game for them. You know, 19 first downs. They were better. They were the, they were the better team on, on third down, a nine for 17 on the day, one for two on fourth down efficiency, 74 total plays for a total of 353 yards in 11 drives. They averaged 4.8 yards per play, and uh, they killed the time of possession. 34 minutes compared to 25 from Indy. So those numbers look totally weird, right? 31 to 3, but you have the ball more, more plays. That means more time for opportunities to score. Texas also had three turnovers, four penalties for a total of 25 yards. And Cody, you know, you had an opportunity to really dive into this team. I can't wait to talk about it, that game, a little bit more throughout the week. But it was a disappointing loss. And listeners and viewers, you know, Cody mentioned he he was going as far as saying this loss was more disappointing than the Buffalo Bill game. And I understand that the Buffalo Bills, for some people, may be the best team in the NFL. The Indianapolis Colts, for some people, may be the biggest disappointment in the NFL. So those two trajectories don't go head in hand. And so, Cody, I'm going to pass the floor off to you, man. What did you see from Sunday's game, including quarterback play from Davis Mills, including the running back, including, you know, coaching and personnel decisions, which is something that, ladies and gentlemen, please get ready for this week. But what did you see from the Houston Texans from this 28-point loss? Well, you know, going back to your statement about how I said that this game was more, a little bit more disappointing and possibly the worst loss of the season up to this point when you compare it to the Buffalo Bills game. Look, when you take a look at that Buffalo Bills game, yes, I understand 31 to 3 versus 40 to nothing. They got their ass handed to them both time. And most people might say, well, they lost 40 to nothing. But when you take a look at that Buffalo Bills game, one, as John just alluded to, arguably, if not the best team in football right now, the weather played a big factor, especially in that first half, the rain really hindered the Houston Texans in this game. But the main reason why I say this game might be a little bit more disappointing than the Buffalo Bills game, regardless of the Texans losing 40 to nothing, the majority of those points came in, came in the back half of the second half because their defense got tired. The Texans' defense in that game did show up. And regardless of what the outcome of the score was for that game, yes, they put up 40 points, but the Texans defense had several stops in the red zone during that game. And they had an opportunity, I believe, to record a takeaway, which was an intercept, which was an interception by Lonnie Johnson Jr. When I look at what the Texans defense did that game and compared it to this game, this was by far the Texans' worst game. Worst defensive game of the season. First and foremost, the enhanced run game that they had was 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 a no-show. Jonathan Taylor rushed for 145 yards off, I believe, nine carries and scored two touchdowns. And the secondary, John, my biggest issue with the Texans now is this criteria that they are using to give people snaps for the upcoming game. For two weeks in a row, Charles Aminu has been a healthy scratch. And there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, but the disconnect between him and the organization is real. But for the second week in a row, I have seen a decline 
in the Texans defensive line. And a big portion of it is because one of your talent defensive linemen in Charles Aminihu isn't playing. Then when I take a look at this Texan secondary, the Texan secondary has been one of the main reasons why they have been able to create takeaways throughout the season. And one of the guys who was responsible for not one, but two takeaways on the year in Lonnie Johnson Jr., who had back-to-back interceptions, where was he at the start of the game? On a bench. And the reason why I'm pointing that out is because it's messing up the flow of the Texans' defense. I'm glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that. And it doesn't make sense. And as a matter of fact, go back and take a look at the, I think it was the first two offensive possessions before Terrence Brooks got hurt um, with a chest injury. You could tell that Brooks and Justin Reed was never on the same page. It was miscommunication from the very opening tilt. And that is part of the reason why the Texans, that's part of the reason why Carson Wentz went out and had a field day. And by the way, T.Y. Hilson once again demolished the Texans. He recorded in a, in a season debut, his very first game of the season, came out and had a team high, 85 yards on four receptions. He would have done more, but unfortunately he pulled his hamstring, but the damage was already done by then. I'm going to need David Cully and his coaching staff, Nick Casario, Jack Easterby, whoever is responsible for orchestrating these snaps. They need to be realistic. This isn't peewee football to where you say, you know what, Timmy, you had a good day. And, and, and not only in practice, but you also have all A's and B's. I'm going to play you over little Zach, who didn't have a good day in practice, and he got a seat in math. This isn't peewee football. This is the NFL. And plus, one of the criterias that I've been looking at for this organization, what I've been saying all season, John, see what you got in your young guys. Charles Aminu and Lonnie Johnson Jr., not only are they young, but they can show you stuff that can have them be part of your rebuilding process. I am so sick and tired of every single week we ask David Cully, why is this guy on the bench? Why was this guy a healthy scratch? And he come out and say, well, it was because this guy played really good in practice and we wanted to see what we got in him. Got in him. No, that is not how you run a football team if if winning is your top priority. Let me say this before we move on, because I think that same conversation, which is something, Cody, I texted you Saturday and I said, hey, I want to look at this from a deeper standpoint. And so this personnel change that we're going to discuss, we will get to it this week. But if you're going to go by that, and then I look at the offensive side of the ball, the side of that one big play from Phillip Lindsay, why is he still on the field? Uh, there are several plays from David Johnson where he's visibly quitting in the midst of the play, right? So those are two running backs where, okay, you have this logic for a player that maybe you don't like the way he tweets things, okay? Maybe you don't like his attitude, whatever. But LeGarrette Blunt was a key part to two of those second Super Bowls in New England. We know about LeGarrette Blunt, right? I, I, I can keep naming Aaron Hernandez, but you're not going to win a Super Bowl without some type of dogs. I will say this. You look at the defensive side of the ball before we move on. 24-16-21. Do you want to know why those numbers are significant? Those are the amount of points Houston gave up in the second half. 
So you're averaging 20 points scored in the second half alone, and that's a problem. And so you're looking at, well, we want to get this guy on the field. We want to put this guy in this certain situation. Well, continuity is a real thing. And you can't sit and say, well, we think this guy may play this position smarter or we think this guy deserves more, as you say, deserve more snaps because of what he's doing in practice. That's all fine and dandy. We heard the same thing from Bill O'Brien. Eric Murray was a smart player. Okay? These excuses, they're starting to get like waterfalls, and it's just dropping. They're going to keep dropping until you dry it up. You can't dry it up unless you get a win. Or the the reasoning behind your decision-making, you stand tall by it. There's no reason why on one side of the ball you're making excuses for why you wanted to put a player on the field and deactivate them. You know, we understand. We know what it is. We see through the lines. Maybe this player isn't a culture fit. Maybe this player doesn't fit what you want to do. What, what is it that you want to do? But you can't make that reasoning for one side of the ball and still have Philip Lindsay and David Johnson. Getting playing time. And getting outscored badly in the second half. I can't wait to talk about the rest of the game and what we saw on Sunday as the Houston Texans lost 31-3 to the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts will now be sitting at number two in the division. Houston number three, the Jacksonville Jaguars number four. We talked about in a passionate way about these Houston Texans and the disappointment they've been this season, I want to tell you about a passion of mine, and that's convenience. Today I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. The best part? The best part? The best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV life together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And continuing here with this Monday installment of Locked On Texans, John and I are going to continue discussing the 31 to 3 defeat that the Houston Texans sustained at the hands of the Indianapolis Colts on yesterday. Um, John, look, my apologies for the short little rant that I went on, but like I said, man, I'm getting very irritated hearing David Culley use these criterias on why. Can I, can I ask you <laughs> why you're getting irritated? Why? Because why? At, at this point, it's just getting really, really frustrating and really, really old because it's not making sense. And John, before moving on to, I guess, the positives of this game, I want to touch on something you said. You said that it doesn't make sense that one group of players are using this criteria on why he's a healthy scratch, why he has been benched, and the other group of players are not. And you talked about Philip Lindsay. You talked about David Johnson. I, more so David Johnson. I, more I, so I, David Johnson. I am really – I I really want to know – why in the world, why not use that same criteria for Scotty Phillips? 
Because David Cully has said time and time again that Scotty Phillip is coming along. He's looking good at practice. But when you take a look at the production from both David Johnson and Phillip Lindsay throughout the whole entire season, outside of the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have not looked productive at all. And look, the offensive line, they did the best they could. They was down three starters and Marcus Cannon has already been ruled out for the entire season due to back surgery that he underwent Friday afternoon. The offensive line, they they did a decent job for what they was given. Did they give up a lot of pressures? Yes. But the run blocking was a little bit better in this show because Mark Ingram had a pretty solid productive day. But the other two running backs that this team has, I just don't understand why they look so terrible. And I guess my answer is they're just not talented. And at this point, if Scotty Phillips, according to David Cully and the rest of the coaching staff, if he, if he is doing everything possible throughout practice, why not put him on the field? But on the opposite side of the of the ball, you got Charles Amini, who a healthy scratch for not one but two games. But moving on, I, you know, let me. I would never say that they're not talented. They made it to the NFL. Well, talented to an NFL standard. Let's say that. What I will say is this. Okay. We spoke to Brandon Cooks in the press conference. You know, and Brandon Cooks had to say this. We're an undisciplined team. I'm being very honest with you from all of us. We've all got some type of accountability in that. We're undisciplined. It's the truth. Cooks continued by saying it's about everyday life choices. It's about deep down inside individually. Do you want to be that or not? It's that simple. We can't make our teammates. We can't make anyone else do that. You got to do that yourself. He also mentioned that it's been going on since game one. Now, with two minutes, I'm sorry, with 18 minutes, 18 seconds left in the second quarter, David Johnson completely whiffed on a block, came in from the uh, safety position. I remember that play. And that's undisciplined. And that's what we've been seeing. Not specifically that play, but we've been seeing the running back group, aside from Mark Ingram, who's giving it his all, it seems like every run. We're seeing them being undisciplined. Well, how undisciplined? Johnson Sports Guy Hickman. Philip Lindsay, we've we all we only need one Gregory Hines. You guys know who Gregory Hines is, right? The greatest tap dance of all time. We don't need for you to sit and try to dance real quick before you hit the hole. You know this issue has been long-standing for the year. There's a hole, run right into it, run through it. Stop dancing because you're dancing too much, and on top of that, your vision has been impaired. David Johnson, if you don't want to play for the Houston Texans no more, just say that. I don't blame you. I probably wouldn't want to play for them either, but they're paying you millions of dollars, and they're putting you out on the field over a young kid that I think not only the fans want to see, it's not about once anymore. The team may need to put him in, especially after yesterday's game. I'm looking at that block or lack thereof or the attempt on. This was a third and four, a very manageable manageable down. Uh, Houston was on the 45, 46-yard line. 
they were in a passing situation. And I, I, I want to give you guys – this was number 37 for the Indianapolis Colts. And, I mean, he just he put his elbow out. Didn't even attempt to make a block. And that led to a sack on Davis Mills, who, by the way, at that point was not playing a bad game. And so, in undisciplined, yes, you can look at the penalties, four penalties for 25 yards, and Houston has had a penalty problem uh, so far this year. But being disciplined and undisciplined doesn't always mean a yellow flag has been thrown. The biggest part of being undisciplined in the NFL football period, assignments, doing your job. And if you're disciplined, you're doing your job. Sometimes a player makes a play, you got to live with it. But plays like that is the reason why, how can you justify on one side of the ball, we want to do something different. We want to get this guy on the field because we, we hadn't seen a lot out of him. Or, you know, gosh, viewers at home, there's some things we wish we could talk to you about, but the benching of Lonnie Johnson, why? Him and Reed have continuity, and that's something that no matter how Houston may feel they value, he's coming around. On the field, he's coming around. Okay, he's making plays, which is what – Lovey Smith wanted. He wanted turnovers, right? That's what we heard. Two weeks back to back with turnovers, and he's getting better in his coverage. Okay? So why or how can you justify those guys not playing? And I'm not really, really upset at the Charles Omenihu thing because I think his play has spoke to why it's easier for them to kind of say, well, not today. But you can't make that reasoning for one side of the ball and then moving forward, we can't see David Johnson on the field no more. Huh. Okay, we cannot. I just don't understand it. Because he has proven that, okay, forget practice. Practice? We're talking about the game. And in the game, David Johnson has not made any impact play this year for Houston. Not that much. I mean, he had that one uh, receiving touchdown early in the year. But look what he did in week in week six against the Colts. In a very manageable, they were down seven points at that time. It was 10-3. That was the score. Whiffed on a block. You got a man coming in, clean as day on your rookie quarterback. Now, what does that say to him? What does that say to the team? You answer that question, viewers. You answer that. And get back to me. Getting them comments. But even though the game did not end on a good note for Davis Mills, he still put on a very decent outing, especially in the first half. In the first half, he threw for 139 yards, and there was a stretch where he completed like seven or eight of his passes. He looked very good. And by the way, in the first half, the Colts did a pretty good job at trying to exploit playing against the Texans' weakened offensive line by sending a number of blitz packages to start the game, something that I kind of wish Lovey Smith did with Mac Jones and the New England Patriots last week, but that is neither here or there. But Davis Mills held his own against a lot of those blitz packages, and I liked how he was able to point out the mic, point out the wheel, make adjustments to – um, you know, you know, tell the offensive line, you know, where to block and everything. And it just that first half just showed the growth that Davis Mill had from OTAs all the way up to that moment. However, second half, 
things just started to unravel from Davis Mills, and we saw the bad side of Davis Mills. He threw two interceptions, and both of those interceptions, especially that last one, it was him trying to force a play. And that shows the bad side of Davis Mills, and I wanted to bring it up because that is something he said that he noticed in that game against the Buffalo Bills. He corrected it. And why we saw him have success in the game against the New England Patriots. Really quick before moving on, I also want to talk about really quickly, Nico Collins had himself, I'm not going to say a breakout game, but it was a game where he showcased his potential of what he could do. He had 45 yards on four catches and he was able to, to make plays. And one of the things that I liked about Nico Collins when the Texans drafted him, he was a big body receiver, a guy who can actually create separation between him and his defenders with his stature. And that's what we saw on several occasions. And by the way, the chemistry between Mills and Collins are <laughs> it's starting to establish because those two guys have been working together a lot ever since OTAs. And, you know, th that was possibly the only promising part about yesterday's loss. This week, limited time flavor cookie dough chunk returns to Bill Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever made. Bill Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor, which I just told you about. If you don't know about the Bill Bar flavor, you're missing out. Coconut almond, coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, chocolate caramel, salted caramel. Oh my gosh. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box, but you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. 17 grams protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BillBar.com. also want to let you guys know about Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the football field for another season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site, interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source in everything football. I'm telling you right now, ladies and gentlemen, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Cannot wait to talk about more of what we've seen from the game. Davis Mills and personnel issues, challenges that Houston is facing. Now make your second listen the Peacock and Williamson podcast. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all platforms. And before we close out this latest installment of Locked on Texans, John. Can I say something? Go, go right ahead. It's so great seeing former Texan greats. Oh, gosh. Sean on Sundays. J.J. Watt got his first sack on the year with Arizona. Shouted at the man, you can't bleep with me. You can't hold me. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins doing DeAndre Hopkins things, you know, 10 things, you know, making me, people miss, carrying folks in the end zone. Who else am I missing? Uh, I'm not sure. But it's always good to see former Texans do great things because 
you reminisce on the days you did great <laughs> things in, in the red, white, and blue. Right. Next next week is going to hurt. Um, and to be honest with you, if it wasn't required in my job, I probably wouldn't watch the game because I just this game next week. And and, and by the way, John, listeners, the Arizona Cardinals are six and zero. Oh. And if the Super Bowl was today, you could make an argument that it would be the Cardinals versus the Bills. But, John, before we close out this latest installment of Locked On Texans, this is why I said that that loss against the New England Patriots was the nail in the coffin to this season. Because had they won that game, I'm not going to say it would have changed the dynamic and possibly send this team to the playoffs, but the camaraderie would be a lot better. We will see better effort. Throughout this whole show, you have talked about constantly about David Johnson effort or lack thereof. And it, it, it would just put a lot of people in a better, a better mindset moving forward. Losing that game against the Patriots is going to be the, the, the turning point of this season. And John, the Texans have, if I'm not mistaken, two more games before the bye week. And this coming Sunday, we have the Arizona Cardinals and then inside NRG Stadium the week after the Los Angeles Rams. And it's just going to continue to get harder from here. You Slaughter. know, John. It, Slaughter. One in five. You're easily looking at a situation where this organization could be one in seven heading into the bye week. And, you know, I, for you listeners out there. You guys already know this, and for some of you, and for some of you new listeners, I have been really big about the culture that the Houston Texans were setting because or the culture or lack thereof culture was part of the reason why this organization started to derail so quickly. I, I, I want to say after the loss against the Kansas City Chiefs, but I'm just going to stick stick to everything that took place over the past, let's say. 18 to let's just say over the past 18 months. And now you're looking at a situation where the culture that we thought was getting set, you know, the, the positive vibe that I saw through our OTAs, through our training camp, it's all gone now. It's a, you it know? was a, it was a mask. <laughs> Maybe. I, you know, it, it was a, it was a, it was an N95 mask. It was protecting you from what was to come. That's what it is. And I'll tell you this. We're sitting here talking about the present. We haven't talked about the worst part about it. Who's going to potentially be Houston's franchise quarterback and how long they may have to wait, right? I talked mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, I tweeted on Twitter. It went from Rot for Rattler, who I never believed in, to possibly now uh, Camp for Caleb. And some folks may be planning for Manning. You may not know that Archie <laughs> Manning is coming out, and hopefully UTA is able to snag him. And that's going to be at least another three to four years. So look at how long it may possibly be. Now, of course, Davis Mills may turn out to be a good quarterback. He could just be in a position where everything is bad, right? And it happens, you know. Uh, but there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty unless Houston's able to – Make a trade and snag a quarterback that's already experienced and has talent from another team. Deshaun Watson was trending on Twitter again on Sunday. 
after the Dolphins lost against the Jacksonville Jaguars and gave them their first win. So who knows what the future holds? But, you know, the future is what really, when I look at the grand scheme of things, I'm like, okay, well, you guys are kind of juggling and jeopardizing some of your future players right now. Hmm. What's going to happen when you got to go draft some of these guys, man? What's going to happen when you may have to bring in free agents? Are they going to believe in what you tried to sell? Them because you sold it to a lot of people around the stadium and, and, and here in Houston. I think at one point we fell for it too after their first win. I know I did. I'm not even going to lie to you. How they perform against the Cleveland Browns. So they're going to be in a, a very tough position. And I hate the fact that David Cully has been the scapegoat for this entire uh, situation right now. I'm Johnson Sports Guy Hickman. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like us on Facebook. Take them same couple fingers. Go on over to YouTube. Hit the subscribe button, like, and comment. YouTube, Locked On Texans. Follow me on Twitter at some sports guy. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C O T Y D A V I S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.